Thank you, John, Megan, choir and orchestra. Grateful to God for you. I asked in the early service who wrote that song. I should have known it was an Australian when it, uh, that, uh, that it is he. I, I couldn't figure out. It took me four times singing that to figure out how to put he at the end of the sentence. Uh, boy, I'm grateful to God. He can change your life. Amen? Yes, indeed. We're in Acts 19 this morning, continuing our teaching time, preaching time through the book of Acts. We come to chapter 19 today. Some people say this is the most difficult passage in all of Acts, but uh, not if you understand the Bible, it's not. So Acts chapter 19, we began reading in verse 1, read through verse 10, and then we'll jump to verse 23 and look together uh, there this morning. So we're in Acts 19. You follow along as I read, and we'll begin verse 1. Uh, you've got your copy of Scripture. It'll come up on the screen. You'll see it there. This and now, because this is the word of our great God. And it happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, now Apollos was at Ephesus, but he left and he's gone to Corinth. While Apollos was at Corinth, we talked about him last week, Paul passed through the upper country and he came to Ephesus and found some disciples at that place. And he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They said to him, no, we've not even heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And he said unto them, what then were you baptized? And they said into John's baptism, just like Apollos had said uh, previously when we looked at him. He knew John's baptism, but not the baptism of Jesus. And Paul said, verse 4, John baptized with a baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in him who was coming after him, that is, in Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they began speaking with tongues and prophesying. There were there in all about 12 men. And he entered the synagogue and continued speaking out boldly for three months, reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. But when some were becoming hardened and disobedient, speaking evil of the way, don't miss that, the way. Before the people, he withdrew from them and took away the disciples, reasoning daily in the school of Tyrannus. This took place for two years, so that all who lived in Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. Then skip to verse 23. About that time, there occurred no small disturbance concerning the way. There it is again the way. You find it in Acts 9 when Paul, who was Saul, came pouring out threats against the people who were of the way, the way, the way, the way. Do you know that the church, the people, were called the way in the Bible more than they were called Christians? Yet that word Christian is what is stuck to us, but the word way was even used more frequently in the Scripture uh, as a nickname, if you will, for those that followed after Jesus. The way. It was a nickname that was given. I knew this nickname in 1971 when the Jesus movement came. Next week there is a movie coming to theaters all across our nation. We've seen it twice here. They gave us opportunity to buy in a little early. And we had over 220 people watch it the first time. And uh, then about half the crowd the next time. But uh, we showed the Jesus revolution. If you uh, hadn't seen it, I encourage you to see that. In that picture, it tells the story 
of the Jesus movement. In 1971, they put Jesus on the front cover of Time magazine. One year before, the cover of Time magazine said, God is dead. And 12 months later, the Jesus revolution was on the front cover. (laughs) You think God doesn't have a sense of humor? World says he's dead in 70. Then a writer writes and they put it on the front cover. Let me tell you, not just anything good's on the cover of Time magazine. It had to be something else. And it was the wind of God. I was just a kid. 17 years old when this cover came out. I didn't know anything. I I knew Jesus, but I didn't know much about the Bible. I'd been to Bible school. I went to Sunday school. I I knew certain verses, but I'd not put together theological thoughts. And I was 17. I was just living my life. I was holding hands in church with a girl. But the Holy Ghost rocked my world. God began to deal with me. And on the back of that old 60 blue Chevrolet, I put that one-way sticker. It was everywhere in 1970, 71. I had it stuck on the front of my math book going to Pisgah High School. You could peel that off, stick it anywhere. I had it here, there, and yonder. One way, one way, one way. I preached about this in my church where I was a pastor in Garland, Texas, 1988 and 89 before coming here to be your pastor 32 years ago. And one of the ladies drew me aside. She said, Pastor, let me show you some things. She gave me some sketches. She said, did you know that that one-way finger emblem of the Jesus movement started right here at Orchard Hills Baptist Church? We drew that. Some ladies sketched that out. We began to sell it, and it went... Well, we would say viral today. It just went everywhere. It was stuck on every Volkswagen in America. And every VW bus had two of them on there. Was everybody that had a sticker saved? No. Was everybody falling? No. It it just became a part of that. It just swept up in the times. It was a movement of Jesus. I went to coffee shop after coffee shop. That's where we hung out. Some guy that couldn't sing a lick playing half of a guitar didn't know half of anything, John. But we were singing unto Jesus. Did we know the Bible? We didn't know. But but soon we would be put into pods and groups and and we'd learn uh, about Matthew, Mark, and Luke being synoptic gospels, and they'd teach us about John's discourse, and then we'd get into the epistles and uh, the different letters, and we we would understand, and and the Word of God, what was happening is that God was just moving, and then He was forming us. He was drawing us to the way, to the way. You see, Jesus said in in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, the life, and that became the word. I am the way. Jesus said, preaching in Matthew 7, verses 13 and 14, I set before you two ways. There is a broad way. It leads to destruction, but there is a narrow way leading to eternal life. The writer of Hebrews in chapter 10 
verses 19 and 20, says, I set before you a new and a living way. Paul, in Acts 9, in verse 2, he was Saul then. He threatened those that belonged to the way. When people got saved in the New Testament, one of the words they called them were people of the way. They were going a certain way. They were following a certain person. They were living a certain way. They, they were together in this way, on a journey, on the narrow road, going God's way. It's that way I want you to think with me about out of this text for a few moments this morning because we find that phrase here in this text, the way. I want to show you three characteristics of the way. Number one, see with me very quickly this morning, and then we give God's appeal. Number one, the way and the Spirit of God. Anytime that you begin to get serious about following Jesus in the way, then you have to deal with the Spirit of God. Well, that's what happened. Paul comes to Ephesus. He finds these 12 guys. He looks at them and he said, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they looked at him. <laughs> he said, well, no. We've not even heard if there is a Holy Spirit. Paul said, well, then what were you baptized into? They said, John's baptism. He said, well, John baptized with a baptism of repentance and spoke of one that was coming, even Jesus. And if you're going to follow Jesus, you need to be baptized in Jesus' name. And they were all baptized in Jesus' name. And when they came up and dried off, Paul laid his hands on them. They spoke in tongues and prophesied. Anytime you get serious about living for the way of Christ, you have to come to understand the spirit life. I'd never heard of that. But we find the Holy Spirit all through this text. It happened in chapter 2, it happened in chapter 10, and now again in verse 19, where they received the Spirit and they spoke in tongues. But that is not the template all the rest of the way through the New Testament. Chapter 2 was for the Jews. Chapter 10 was for the Gentiles. And here was on the international side of things. There were three times they were legitimizing the power of the Holy Spirit within their lives. And let me tell you, when you come to faith in Christ, you will need to deal with the Spirit of God. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit that is in you, whom you have from God? And you're, you're not your own. You've been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. Listen to me this morning. If you're saved your body becomes the temple the spirit of God lives within you Romans 8 and verse 9 tells us however you are not in the flesh but in the spirit these are saved people if you're saved you're in the spirit and if indeed the spirit of God dwells in you but if anyone listen if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ he does not belong to him see when you get saved the spirit of God comes to live within you We're to live according to the Spirit. We're led, verse 14 of that same uh, Romans 8 says that we live according to the Spirit. We are led by the Spirit. And then Paul writes this letter back to the Ephesian church. And Ephesians 5.18 gives us that great old text of Ephesians 5.18. Don't be drunk with wine. We could preach a whole sermon on that. Don't be drunk with wine. That's dissipation. But be plyruo anuma. Filled with the Spirit of God, the breath, the breath, the Spirit of the living God. When you come to follow the way, the Spirit lives within you. You see, friends, it's, it's the Spirit of God and the truth of God come together to make the people of God live the way that they ought to live. First of all is the way and the Spirit of God. But then quickly, it's the Word of God. Now, now notice this. 
When you read in this text in verse number 8, Paul entered the synagogue, continued speaking out boldly for three months, reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. But some were becoming hardened and disobedient, speaking evil of the way before the people. And Paul withdrew from them and took away the disciples, reasoning with them in the school of Tyrannus. Tyrannus was a philosopher. He had a hall, not as big as this would be, but he had a speaking hall, and he let Paul have it. He went into that school of Tyrannus, and it took place for two years, two years. And all who lived in Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and and Greeks when you walk in the way you live in the spirit of God but then you also have the word of God and those two things must come together in your life he taught them in the word and he taught for two years about the kingdom of God what do you have to understand about the kingdom or when you have to enter the kingdom Second, you have to be a citizen of the kingdom, and then you have to know the teachings of the kingdom. If you're an American citizen today, you were either born here or you came and you were naturalized. And so you become a, a part of this nation. Then you are a citizen of this nation, and you got a passport, embossed, stamped, and you can get in and out. And then you have to know the laws. Our laws are different than Canada's laws. But when you come to God's kingdom, you got to enter the kingdom. You got to be a citizen. I will never forget. You know, the Bible says that you can come to Christ by adoption. I didn't know much about adoption. We had an adoption agency out here for a while in the ministry village, not there any longer. I'll never forget the day they called me, said, Pastor, we're going to do our first adoption. I said, okay, good, amen, that's what we've been praying for. I said, we'd like you to come. I said, well, all right, what time is it? And they said, 7 o'clock Tuesday night, come, and we're going to have the transfer. I said, well, I don't know what that is, but that sounds good to me. So I went and I sat down. There was a girl sitting here holding a baby, and there was an elderly woman with her who was the grandmother. And on this side, there was a man and a woman. They went through and signed a bunch, and when it got to the right time, this mother got up and walked across and gave the baby to that mother. These folks that took the child, they cried. The grandmother cried. The mother cried. And my Lord, you should have seen the pastor of Olive Baptist Church. It was called a transfer. That baby had a name but didn't have a name now. But had this name, friend, when you get saved, you are transferred out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. You get a brand new name, brand new parents, you're brand new, everything's new. Amen. They shouted, they left that place. I went up to the director and I looked at him and I said, you listen to me, don't you ever invite me back to one of these. I've seen one transfer and that's all I want, all right? Oh man, was it moving my soul, weeping, lost control. There was truth, but there was spirit. There was a spirit, but there was truth. They signed documents. Understand when you walk with God, it's spirit and truth. It's truth and spirit. I learned this in the Jesus movement along the way. When you enter the kingdom, become a citizen, you know the teaching, and the teaching is found in this book, but the spirit of God lives in you. I'll never forget Dr. Olford came. He said, son, don't miss it. Don't miss it. He said, it's word and spirit. It's spirit and word. It's both. 
He said, if you're just all word, all truth, he said, it's like you go into a lecture and you'll dry up. He said, but if it's all spirit without the word, you'll blow up. And you'll do crazy things. He said, on this side, it's like a dry lecture. If it's all over here, just all spirit, it's like a circus. But he said, if you take word and spirit and put it together, you don't blow up or dry up, you grow up. And that's what the Spirit of God does in us. He takes the truth of the Word and the power of the Spirit and puts within it. Hear me, ladies and gentlemen. I don't know. I don't know. Asbury, Lee College, Samford University. I got my phone. It's right there. I got a text last week from one of our teenage boys who sat where you sit, these in the white shirts. He was there last year in D-Now. Sam Tenniswood, he's a freshman up at Samford University, daddy a deacon here in our church. Sam was one of my young preachers. And he was with me for these many months, and we'd meet. And rarely did we meet that we didn't pray for revival. Something happened at Samford University about 10 days ago. And Sam sent me a text. This is Sam Tenniswood. He's the son of a doctor. He's a smart boy. He graduated from a Christian school. I looked on that text. He said, Pastor, you've been praying for and you've been teaching us about revival and I'm here at Samford University in Reed Chapel and I want you to know it's here. (laughs) I've been seeing other things and See, there are two chapels. There are two chapels at Samford. One on the way on this side is Reed Chapel. That's for the university. Over here is the other chapel for Beeson Divinity School. I've preached at Divinity School. I've preached there. I never preached in Reed Chapel. I did ask my wife to marry me out behind Reed Chapel. I was a senior boy, and I got in the car and drove around there and pulled a ring out of my pocket. You know, now when you get engaged, I mean, you you got to have, you know, lights, camera, action. All I had was a Buick and a a ring. I said, will you? And she said, you know I will. I put that ring on her, kissed her, and we went off to church. It's behind that chapel. They, They built a new building out there in that parking lot where I asked her. They built a monument. Where I got engaged. I told her, I said, see, we're something. She said, it's not our name on the building. I said, don't worry about that. It's, it's a monument. Sam said in the chapel, one day a boy came in. And John, they said he just sat down at the piano. I can't play a note. But they said he just started playing and singing. And he looked up a little while people started coming in. And they've been going now for nearly 10 days of students coming. I talked to the president of the school. He said, pray for us. This guy's a PhD in finance. Is the president, Beck Taylor. Become a good friend of mine. President Taylor said, please pray for us. We are trying because we don't want to get in God's way. But, but these kids still got to pass their classes. So we got to have school. I said, it's kind of like truth and spirit, isn't it, Doc? He said, Yeah. He said, we don't want to get in the way, but we know they got to graduate. He said, we just don't want to get in the way of what God's doing. 
people been asking me all week long, preacher, write something. Put, put something on Facebook. Put, put it out there. And everybody else is writing, and they're saying, these are my thoughts on the awakening. I said, okay. Here am I. I don't know. I'm in sales, not in management. Gamaliel said in Acts 5, if it's of God, you can't do anything about it, so just go on, and if it's not of God, it'll float off like a Chinese balloon. (laughs) But if it's of God, lives are going to be radically changed. Radically changed. And on Friday, there was an old man, they said. They sent me another at Samford. They said it was an old man came running down to the altar. And I thought, now this is from an 18, 19-year-old kid. They're saying an old man came. He's probably 45 or 6 or something. I'm thinking, how old is this dude? And they said this old man came running to the altar, and he cried, and he repented, and he hollered, and said when he got done, he turned around and had tears all down his face, and he said, kids, he's here. It's real. Trust him with all your life. And said he left. He said, is that real? I'm in sales, not in management. I don't know. But I'm sensing the wind of God blowing. Will there be wildfire? Yeah. Will there be extravagance? when it? Oh, yeah. But will there be men and women changed forever like I was changed? Yes. Always happened. Radical transformation by the Spirit of God and the Word of God. Never miss it. It's spirit and truth. It's not one or the other. The Spirit will always bow to the revealed truth of God in the Bible. Always. Because the Spirit wrote the book. And they will come together. But don't ever let church turn into just a lecture series where you dry up. But don't let it turn into a circus where you blow up. Bring the spirit and the truth together and we'll grow up and go out and make a difference in Jesus' name. The way and the word of God. The way and the spirit. But thirdly, and then we give the appeal. Thirdly, just quickly, there is the way and the power of God. The power of God. Notice in this text. Verse 11 says, God was performing extraordinary miracles at the hand of Paul. Then in verse 12, it says, they, they took his handkerchief. They took Paul's handkerchief, and they throw it out there, and they land on somebody, and they get healed. That's wild. They, they take a napkin and put it on somebody, and they get healed. Is that the way God works all that? No. But he does. He does still do extraordinary things. When Eddie Ashari got saved in this church, over in the old building, sitting up in the balcony, and God touched him, and he came, he did extraordinary things. When God had a man give me over $100,000 and say, do whatever you want to with it, and then for these folks to come and me for to give that money away, number one, for me to give it away is an extraordinary thing. But for me to give it away to build a church, that is the only church left standing in Antioch this morning. Everything else on the ground. That is the extraordinary work of God. God still does the extraordinary, 
among us. And, and they see it, but not only do we see extraordinary miracles, we see spiritual warfare. Then the sons of Sceva came, and, and here they were trying to act like the Spirit of God. And the evil spirit said to them, I know Jesus and I know Paul, but <laughs> who are you? The man leaped on me, ran out naked and wounded. It's the second streaker in the Bible. Found one over in Mark, ran out naked, and here's another that ran out naked. Hmm. This became known to all the Jews who lived in Ephesus, and great fear fell on all of them who had believed. Came. Now notice it, notice it, don't miss it, verse 18. They kept coming, confessing, and disclosing their practices. And many of those who practiced magic brought out their books and began burning them in the sight of everyone. And they counted up the price of them, found it to be 50,000 pieces of silver. So the word of the Lord was growing mightily and prevailing. Listen to me, church. When we bring the word of God and the spirit of God together, we will see the power, the power of God to heal and change. Does God still heal? I can only tell you, Miss Hill, who used to sit on the front row of the choir. I went to see her in the hospital years ago. I took her by the hand. I prayed for her. I walked out. She said, Pastor, I'm healed. I said, well, amen. Glory to God. I came back the next day. She was going home. She said, I told you, when you prayed, God healed me. And from that day till she died, she, every time she, she said, well, you prayed for me, you healed me. I said, I didn't do anything. I just prayed. She said, but God did it. God still heals today. He does extraordinary things. Christ is magnified when people come. And then they repent. These that were in black magic brought their books and they burned them. Some of you are involved in stuff. Dear friend, God's calling the church to repent this morning. Amen. He's saying that that you're reading, burn it. That stuff you're in on the internet with pornography, get rid of it. The tongue that you're using after coming and singing praises on Sunday and cursing like the proverbial sailor on Monday, repent. For your foolishness and hatred of one another, repent. When the Spirit of God comes, the power of God falls. And the people of God turn and repent. I preached this sermon at 9.30. I gave the invitation. Handsome, strong African-American gentleman walked down, tears flushing down his face. He looked at me and he said, Pastor, when I left home this morning, I never heard you before. He said, when I came, I left home this morning. I've been dealing with some stuff. And he said, the last thing I thought I heard God say about the books I'd been reading is burn them. And when you said burn the books, he said, it was like God put a hot dagger into my soul. He wet this altar with his tears. You call that what you want to. I call it the extraordinary work of the Holy Ghost of God. Does that happen every week? No. But it happened today. What God has called us to do is follow the way. The way. The way of God. Jesus said there's a broad way. It leads to destruction. The Greek construct there is that it's broad and then destruction is crushing narrow. On the other side, he said there's a narrow way. Few are they that find it. Jesus is the way you got to come just one way, not a multitude of ways, only one way you come to Christ. And the Greek there is that it opens into eternal life. 
You see, this world will tell you at the broad gate, that's the joy. But let me tell you, the joy is over here following Jesus. It gets sweeter, sweeter, sweeter as the days go by. And God's calling us today to follow the way, the Spirit of God. He's calling us to the way, the truth of God, the Word of God. He's calling us to the way, to the power, the power of God. When you leave here, some of you are going to go out and get in your car in different places, but some of you are going to go like I go. And you're going to go out here and you're going to hit Olive Road. You're not going to go back to Davis to the big intersection. You're going to take a right. You're going to start down the way. And when you're going down Olive Road, you're coming. You get down to Cody and you'll have to stop there if the light turns on you. You'll look over and say, what's that? It's a Dollar General. We need one more. It's right there. You, you'll go past that and you'll go on down. You come to the cement plant and the road will get rough because of those big trucks. You'll go across the railroad track. Then you'll come down. There'll be a stop sign. And you cannot go straight. You've come to North Palafox. And you must decide, am I going right or am I going left? Am I going to take a right? We're going to take a left. This morning, you stand at a stoplight. Are you going God's way or your way? Are you going to Jesus' way or the world's way? Are you going the selfish way or the Savior's way? Which way are you going? You must decide. You say, Pastor, I, I'm not going to decide today. I'm just going to wait. No, you can't wait. There's an 85-year-old woman in a 2022 Cadillac, she's behind you, and if you won't go, she's fixing to sit down on a horn and say, get off your phone and go. World's way. God's way. Which way are you going today? Four weeks from today, I'll preach at the Pisgah Baptist Church, God willing. It's about as big as this right here, little country church. And at the end of my first sermon, if God doesn't change my mind, I will leave the pulpit and I will walk right over here where the organ is. And I will stand by the front pew and I will say right here is where God changed my life. It was the day right here I said, Lord, I'll go anywhere. I'll do anything. I give up anybody. Give up any, I, I will go your way. And I laid out on my back. And I was lying in the floor. And I was praying and crying. I said, oh God, I'm, I'm yours, I'm, I'm yours. And the moment I looked up, my mother was looking down at me. And she said, what are you doing? I said, mom, I'm just sold out to Jesus. She said, then get up and go live for him. But get up out of the floor. She was not a happy camper that day. <laughs> I just wanted to surrender. It's all I knew to do. I'd come to the stop sign. And when I looked down this way, I saw the world and all its enticements and a coaching career and everything. But when I looked this way, I saw a man. He had nail prints in his hands. He had blood coming down his head. 
He had a wound in his side. He said, come follow me and I will be your shepherd all the days of your life. Ladies and gentlemen, as best I knew that day, I was already saved. I ran to Jesus to sell out. God, whatever you want, I'll do. And it exploded. For a year and a half, we had youth rallies every Saturday night, every gym across North Alabama. They called it a Jesus movement. I didn't know what it was. I just thought it was normal Christian living. Well, I hated it when it kind of waned and went away and we had to go back to school and learn Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. (laughs) They had to teach me. But I learned. But it all started when I laid on my back and said, God, I'm yours. I came to the stop sign. And I walked in the way. Some of you are in this room today and you're at the stop sign. You say, oh, preacher, I'm saved. I understand you're saved, but you're not walking in the way. You're just playing a game. And God said, game time's over. It's time to get serious. Time to sell out. Time to turn and go the Jesus way. You'll never regret it. Boy, did you hear that song about the gospel armor and we're going in the narrow way? That song so fit. I didn't even know they were going to do that this morning. John didn't know I was preaching on this. He hadn't even been here this week. He'd been offered a conference. Boy, that song says it. God be with us. He'll see you down the road, but you must turn Take the step down the way. In a moment after I pray, John starts singing that first note. I'm going to invite you to come. If you need to get saved, come take me by the hand. You need to come in repentance, come. If you need to come and just fall in this altar and say, Lord, I'm going your way, then you come. You come the call of God across that balcony. Sir, if you're here with your wife, just reach over, take her hand, say, we're going today, sweetheart. Today's our day. If you need to come, you just step out and come walking in the way. Father, have your way. Draw people into this altar. I pray, oh God, they come. For our lost friends, save them. For those needing family, drawing them up with us. For those, Father, that just need to come and say afresh and anew, the Jesus way. We trust you. And we surrender all. And so Lord, we say not our way, but have your way in every life here. On our feet we are standing. John singing. Some of you coming.